Corner Instant Analysis Recap Pod. No Mercy is in the books from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. It might be 12.30 a.m. On the, on the East Coast, but damn it, we're not tired yet. We are awake to break this down for you, dear listener, because... We give a damn. It is the Brian Campbell. It's handsome Nick Costos, and it's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. I've been up since 7.30 a.m. Let's get right to it, Brian Campbell, with that double main event. Roman Reigns goes over John Cena, and Brock Lesnar goes over Braun Strowman clean to retain the Universal Championship. I want your unfiltered thoughts on what we saw in that epic double main event. No mercy tonight. So the double main event encapsulates the whole card. They built this up to lead you to believe that this was a major, on par with SummerSlam or WrestleMania. I'm sorry, they did, right? But in the end, when you see the booking in these two matches, you are slapped in the face with the cold, hard reality that this is what it was on paper, an in-between September pay-per-view. And I get a lot of people already hitting me up on social media saying, are you kidding me? This card was still very good. It reminds me in a, in a lot of ways of that debate coming off that big boxing pay-per-view, Triple G and Canelo Alvarez, where you're torn between, it was a really good match, but you know what? The scoring stunk, and it overall stained the card. Nick, I got to give you right off the top here, anticlimactic left me like teddy kgb in in rounders you know uh, unsatisfied in the end and it's only mm-hmm. their fault i'm sorry they built this up to be a major it had a very minor reality in the end oh man they they swerved you buddy i mean i feel like oh poor baby the poor wrestling fan they didn't give him exactly what they what he wanted look Give WWE all the credit in the world. They made this feel like it was WrestleMania. It got us really excited for it. It got the fans really excited for it. And ultimately, yeah, maybe we got the rug pulled out from under us a little bit here. But ultimately... This event tonight, No Mercy, was all about WrestleMania 34. It was all about making Roman Reigns look really strong. It was all about making Brock Lesnar look strong. And they did it at the expense of John Cena and at the expense of Braun Strowman. So, yeah, you are right. This was just ultimately a September pay-per-view. But I'm not going to fault WWE for making it feel bigger than it actually was. I mean, there have been some pay-per-views that we watched. Remember Battleground, the Punjabi prison match? Would you rather have that kind of build? up leading to a pay-per-view or would you rather have the white hot month that we just had on monday night raw kudos to wwe yeah they swerved you a little bit but ultimately at the end of the day i was okay but they didn't swerve me that's the problem that's ultimately my problem there was no swerve it was so vanilla and basic in the end how do you have this heavyweight match that had some fun moments in there like a real crash course of a main event and then you ended on a simple F5. Silver King, are you on the same wavelength of me where you take that match ending, you pair it with Rain Cena where you had to be you had to come in there thinking storyline-wise something was going to happen. Adam, nothing happened. You thought something storyline-wise would happen at least one of the two and Nick, you're throwing it out like at the at the expense of John Cena and Braun Strowman, at the expense of the number one guy in the company and the most overperformer on Raw, they buried Braun Strowman with a single F5 after he hit three power slams on Brock Lesnar, only covered him once, dominated him the entire match, and oh, all it takes is one F5 to dispatch of Braun Strowman, who's run through Roman Reigns uh, and who's you know beaten down Brock Lesnar three times on Raw. Look. This was not a good... I mean, the show overall was good. It was better than a middle-of-the-road September pay-per-view like we would expect. Yes, Nick. It didn't have a Punjabi prison match. Like, you're 100% right. It wasn't a C show like we normally expect. But 
man, they dropped the ball and they dropped the ball in later portions of the, you know, earlier in the card as well. But it just doesn't work for me. You have John Cena return to WWE. He has a flag match with Rusev. He buries, uh, buries Baron Corbin. And then he loses to Roman Reigns, basically does the job and passes the torch like, like it's his retirement. And then he goes on Raw Talk after the show and says, I'm not retiring. I just passed the torch. Like, it just didn't make sense. It, it yeah, didn't work Nick, for me. Nick, Cena on Raw Talk after the show was booked. I'm going to say this. It's going to sound really bad. He was booked like an old bitch. I'm sorry. He basically was like, I ran into a younger guy that really is who we, who we say he is, and, and I didn't have enough. No, I don't want that out of Cena. Um, but that's what that's the role that they needed Cena to play. And, and let me, let's sift through this here because... I agree with the Silver King. I thought the Braun-Brock match was was a total disaster. Like, it was a disaster. I thought as a match it was a disaster. I thought the booking was disastrous. I thought the finish was disastrous. So I'm with you on that. I think we can separate the issues, right? Like, I like No Mercy as a whole, the fact that you're excited for it. I don't have an issue with the Bri the way that you did. It didn't deliver like WrestleMania. It was never going to. We were probably wrong with our expectations at that point. But with that being said, yeah, Braun-Brock, not very good for many different reasons which we'll get to but I want to get on that Cena Reigns match right and you said at the expense of maybe the most over guy in the company and John Cena the biggest star in the company they want Roman Reigns to be the biggest star in the company and we can talk about it we will talk about tonight and in the weeks to come here whether or not Roman Reigns can actually be that guy but it's crystal clear at this point Roman Reigns is getting the strap at WrestleMania 34 he's going to go over Brock Lesnar to do it now you want to talk about the booking and criticize the booking, Brian, of that match. You want to say one simple F5 to beat Braun Strowman. How about Roman Reigns takes four attitude adjustments, including one off the top rope and a double one inside the ring, kicks out of all of them, and all it takes is one measly spear to put down John Cena. To me, that was a pretty stunning, stunning booked finish there that really was like they said beforehand, What's the strongest way that we could put Roman Reigns over other than Superman punch spear match over? That's exactly what it was. I, it was it was startling for me. So to what you need to. OK, what could have fixed this then if that's the finish? And by the way, this is like it's not like the worst idea ever for a finish. You need to put better colors around it and fill in the blanks and make it a, a, a make it artistic. There was really nothing artistic about Cena just sitting there kind of shaking his head that that one, you know, he didn't have what it took. And then he kind of, like I said, weekly goes on Raw Talk and just acts weak. There had to be what a swerve. At some at one point, I'm basically DMing the Silver King going, give me Taker. All right. I think that's what I think that's the only thing right now that would Come live on, up. And I don't dude, want Taker. Guys, guys, I don't want Taker. OK, but my point is you built this up. This was a dream match. This was a WrestleMania main event that you gave us in September. In your mind. And you didn't give us a, a swerve, a direction that warranted using Cena in September and having him lose cleanly. You didn't give us a direction. Cena didn't, you know, break down and cry after. My point is there wasn't enough of a dramatic direction after that finish that leaves me wanting more. I have more questions and answers right now. I just don't want more. That's that's you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm disappointed at where we are. We've hit a wall in as far as I see it. Let me put it this way the story they told at the end of the match was not the story they built to from the four weeks leading into the match. That's the problem. They told a, an ending for a different story 
Then they gave the chapters. So what, what did you guys want to see? Like a lot of you guys well, are saying now, well, they pick, what should they have done? If you guys well, didn't like that, what should they have done? I, I'm going to give, obviously it's Brian, Brian, Brian show. He should be given the answer here. I just want to say one thing. Both we, of you give an answer. You're no, no, both, but we all, both on the show. What do you no, think? But, but we all said, all three of us on Wednesday, that the only proper finish for this match was John Cena going over. We said it didn't matter how it happened. We didn't care if it was dastardly, if it was clean, if it was dominant, whatever. But the only way for it to go over was for Cena to win. So Reigns would have to fight back and earn something and and kind of get over Cena. They did a, basically what is a three-month program between these two in four weeks. And that's my problem. My problem- Let's see how it turns out, though, right? So, like, if Reigns goes out there and flops after this, then I think we can say, yeah, they blew it with this. But I kind of want to see what happens in the aftermath now because it's a different story than we expected. I'm kind of cool with the story, though, at this point, with Reigns going over so strong. And I kind of want to see how the crowd responds to Reigns and what they do with Roman Reigns from here. I'm, I'm kind of bought in with as it concerns the Reigns-Cena portion of No Mercy. Well, see I'm, see, I'm the opposite. I'm more intrigued on where you go here with Cena because let's not forget, Cena talked a huge game in the buildup for this. The writing was so good. The trash talking was so good. He had to back it up. So you say, what should they could they have done differently? I think, look, you've teased a Roman Reigns heel turn. We know we're not getting the heel turn. I know that. But you've done enough teasing it and soft playing it that why not soft play and tease it one more time? Why not have him win in a manner that's a little bit, you know, borderline cheating? Maybe a protect yourselves at all times type of situation. I mean, he kind of had that with, with the Cena kind of being bewildered about the finish and kind of getting caught looking the other direction. But maybe go in that regard or maybe have Cena be a shattered, broken man afterwards. My point is it just was played too safe for how strong of a build. So everything that I want isn't that much more of a departure than what we got. I just don't want the safe vanilla ending that we had because it's Reigns and Cena. Where are we going now? Does this just mean that Cena's going to walk off into some TV project and then he's going to come back and say, oh, I'm back and we're going to forget about this? I don't really know. I have the wrong kind of questions. I think that um, one thing that it did, and we'll see how long Cena's out for because you said what's next for John Cena. I think it's more movies is probably the correct answer. Is Cena going to be like a face in the sense that he might get, I don't know how often John Cena is going to get booed for the rest of his career. If this is the role he's going to be transitioned to, because at some point, look, Cena gets booed by a lot of people, right? But Cena is so good and fans respect John Cena, right? So when it starts getting to the point where he's towards the end of his career and he's putting guys over consistently and he's in more of that underdog role, he's going to get nuclear face heat. And I think that we might've seen the start of that tonight. And now what WWE has done in the past six months, they fed the Undertaker to Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania, and then they fed John Cena and his four attitude adjustments to Roman Reigns. They are doing everything that they can to put Roman Reigns over as the top star in the company. Like I said, I was startled by how this finish went down, and I am willing to give this the benefit of the doubt here as it concerns Roman Reigns, especially since he came on the podcast this week, retweeted both of us. That was pretty cool, Bright. But uh, that's really <laughs> where, where I'm at with this. Now, you said that you're curious what happens with Cena. What are you expecting here with Roman Reigns? What do you want to see with Roman Reigns tomorrow on Raw? He opens the show on Ms. TV. Uh, I want, you know, if this is what we think, which is a pause on this Cena thing, which, you know, to me is disappointing to pause it under these circumstances, I want Reigns to be inserted 
hotly into the start of a new feud that will put a Band-Aid over my feelings over the Cena situation, right? I'm more worried or more concerned, more intrigued about where Cena goes from here. So if Cena's just going to walk away, if that's the direction they're going, then give me something with Reigns, a start of something new, whether it be Finn Balor, who looked like he wrapped up that Bray Wyatt feud kind of surprisingly earlier tonight, or whether it be The Miz himself, who I know has other business with Jason Jordan. Spin me off into something right now. You can continue the Reigns hard push, but, you know, I don't know. It's hard for me so soon from this to be ready to bounce back because you got me so invested in the storyline, WWE, and then you sort of broke script from your own storyline and then just sort of dropped it on us. And then oh, what do we do he's next? He's a jilted lover. I he's am. And I'm, lover, not caught, I I'm not caught in the mark zone. I'm just somebody who expected more. Why, Nick? Because WWE gave us more in a September build than we probably should have had. It's your, you are the one who built the expectations and you didn't come through. But before we take another step forward in this instant analysis reaction show, shout out in Los Angeles to one of our listeners, Tristan Adelano, who slid in those DMs before the show and said, I got this sign, and I'm trying to get it on the air. And the sign said, give me that milk of Marknesia. And after the first match of the pay-per-view, after that pinfall, the Miz goes over and the camera zooms in, and there's that shot, and that sign is lighting up social media. That's a, that's a, that's a fun moment right there, guys. Come on. It's pretty awesome. And he's on Instagram at Steel Chairs for Weapons. He sent me a DM before the show that he had the sign and he was gonna he was gonna put it up and I thanked him for it, said that's really awesome. He thanked us for the countless hours of entertainment. That stuff's really cool. Like for the fans out there that really like the show and support us like that, that is so super cool. And you keep doing that at Raws and SmackDowns and pay-per-views, etc. We will always pass it along on social media. We very, very, very much appreciate the love, especially yours truly, because that validation helps me sleep better at night. And let's not forget, it wasn't just after that mismatch. It was all night long. He had great seats. I don't know, fifth, sixth row. He can let us know. But it was center camera all night long. Milk of Marknesia. It was great. Like I said, like the guy said, I'm sorry. It was fantastic. You guys keep doing that. Add a little hashtag in this corner next time, and we'll love it even more than we already do. This guy, the, the, yeah. this, this contrarian Silverstein, his first response is, where's the hashtag in this corner? Come on. <laughs> you know, that's part of what makes Silver King as, as great as the Silver King is. Now, speaking of milk of Marknesia, if I can paraphrase Triple H for a moment, heading into the Braun Brock main event, I was locked, cocked, and ready to unload. But unfortunately... <laughs> There was no spillage of milk of Marknesia for me in the Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar main event for the Universal Championship. Brian, we have Wax Poetic on Cena and Roman Reigns. Your thoughts, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar. You just look, this was the time to put Braun Strowman over clean in my, if in, you know, for my money. This does leave more questions, right? Does this mean that Brock's not going away for a while? That his part-time schedule is not coinciding with the next few months? You have more questions now. But look, you committed to putting over Braun that hard over the past six to nine months. I mean, really, you go back to, to the beginning of that Reigns feud in January ahead of the Rumble. You have been putting this guy over so hardcore. He finally gets to the title level. I get that in reality, this just might be chapter one. So that's fine if it is. I just wanted to see if Braun has to go down like we said off the top, don't go down to a single F5 after the carnage that you delivered. After you, after you, you survived six, uh, you know, German suplexes early in the match. Don't go down from one F5. I felt a little bit like it watered down this man 
who I felt it was time to put the, the belt around his waist and find out how big his brand was. And now I feel like he's a little bit watered down. I mean, I don't like where where Brock Lesnar survived Samoa Joe at, at Great Balls of Fire in the main event. It, that story was told well, right? Brock's the champion, but he fought a guy who really looked like he had his number, but Brock dodged a bullet. It didn't work the second time around in this booking because Strowman is such a more... You had built him up to be this guy who survived an ambulance crash and walked off and smeared blood against the side of the, the white ambulance. Nick, in one F5, he's just going to be down for the count? Now, like I said, I, I sort of disagreed with your guys' assessment of the, the booking of the, the Cena-Reigns match. I, I can't disagree with what you're saying, Bri, about the booking of this Brock Braun match, with which I like I, the word that I used was disaster. And basically what this became, the entire Braun Strowman push became a way to put more heat on Brock Lesnar so that when Brock Lesnar loses the belt to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 34, it theoretically will mean more. And, and I don't mean to beat that dead horse into the ground. I just think it's the most obvious and apparent point here is that tonight was about WrestleMania. It was about putting Roman Reigns over as strong as possible. And you know what? It didn't even make a difference, right? Like what Braun Strowman had done leading up to this point. It was as if WWE said five, six months ago, whatever the hell it was, this is what we're doing for WrestleMania. We're going to put Lesnar over a slew of challengers from now until WrestleMania. And then at WrestleMania, it's going to be Reigns winning. And there was nothing that Braun Strowman could do. There was nothing that Samoa Joe could do. There will be nothing that Seth Rollins could do. And there will be nothing that Finn Balor can do. Because Brock will beat both those guys. I don't know what the stories are going to be. It doesn't make a difference. Because Vince McMahon showed you tonight, this was a double down on WrestleMania 34. Braun Strowman was white hot. Braun Strowman was electric, but at the end of the day, Braun Strowman was fed to the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 34 main event. Wow. To me, it's a shame. And to me, I don't know what the hell you do with Braun Strowman from here. That's a conversation we'll have moving along here, uh, Brian Silver. Well, I got two words for you. This, this might have short-circuited Braun Strowman. And it might have. And maybe, maybe you know, you said we'll talk about it later. Maybe the two words that... that holds your attention is Bray Wyatt. Maybe maybe they finally tell the story about, you know, him joining the Bray joining the Wyatt family and then suddenly he's pulled off. It is. Isn't it? But it's a step a down when you're Bray Wyatt? It's a step down when you're dropping out to an F five too in a match that you dominated too. So if you it's like man they blew they blew it. Could we have they given them any more credit heading into to Sunday night and can we give them any less after these after these final two matches? It's like come on. By the way, to the same effect, if Roman Reigns fights anyone next except Brock Lesnar, isn't that a step down? He just beat John Cena with a single spear in the middle of the ring, clean. And you're always going to fight the Miz. He's going to fight, you know, who like Finn Balor. Like, what's what is Roman Reigns going to do except fight Brock Lesnar now? How do you get they'll, from they'll now? Something out. Maybe they'll uh, do something with the Shield with Ambrose. I mean, I'm no, they saying, probably like, they probably will. No, no, not, but no, but no, but you're right though. Like, it's, yeah. Like, they're filibustering, basically, from right. now until April, right, in, in terms of these two. Exactly. It's just, like, it's almost as if, just like you said, they knew the end, they had the beginning, you know, what happened after WrestleMania 33, and they just said, guys, we're going to have to do this on the fly here and figure out 12 months of content with these guys and putting them over. They had, they, they lucked out that Braun Strowman got over so well so early because they had that Roman Reigns Braun feud that was awesome. They lucked out that Samoa Joe did amazing work while he was there and he got hurt and we're hoping he comes back, you know, I think three to five more weeks and they can use him in this mishmash of stuff. You can obviously have a Roman Reigns Samoa Joe feud that goes on for a while. But man, it's just. Well, that's, they, that's the answer. That's what I'm like empty now. It's 
All right, Nick, yeah. Nick, Nick, put yourself in the in the chair, all right? Put yourself in the in the Vince McMahon inner circle there. Do oh, you do you feel like you know you <laughs> overachieved with the build for this? You you have to know that, right? The reactions have been incredible. Even the hardcorest of of your cynics who are like every pay-per-view I feel like WWE is only, you know, using 50% of their potential, you know, in terms of the talent there, in terms oh, of the writers. WWE crushed it in the build up, no doubt. So, do you know that you're softly ending this i mean are are, are they doing what, what exactly what you're saying we're building to care. 34 and we don't care i don't I, I think they showed you that they don't care tonight right i mean they showed you they don't care to the degree that they took a rain cena program and again i really didn't have an issue with the way that that match ended i thought that cena would win that's how i would have booked it but i'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt but the braun brock thing i mean that's just it really, that one's quizzical for me. I don't want to say that I would, I mean, it was it was stunning. It was stunning to me that you would take what Braun Strowman has given you for months. And I don't know that they flushed it down the toilet, but it was like very like haphazard and very like just nonchalantly saying like everything that you've done and all the heat that you've gotten in these matches that you've put on all go down to one F5. So we can continue building Brock up so we can feed him to Roman Reigns, who 95 percent of the crowd boos like it's it's it 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 just it was weird. It reminds you that the money's in the build, right? The money is getting people to buy and log into the network on a Sunday night. So what happens Sunday night can always be repaired or amended Monday night. Right. So and I hate that reality. I've always hated that reality. Don't you want to walk out Sunday night like we did at SummerSlam in Brooklyn, Nick, and be like high as a kite on some wrestling? You know what I'm not high on right now? Wrestling at this exact second coming out of Sunday night. I want to be high as a kite. I want to be talking to Samson, but not, you know, not not the <laughs> Samson you think. I want to be talking to Elias Samson. You know what I'm saying? I want to be high as a kite on some wrestling. But no, nah, brah. You know, like it's, it's, it's just not happening. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't move on from that, that we're in this instant analysis reaction show and I can't move on from the fact that I'm sore at how these two matches ended because you had me and and they lost me with with the Braun Brock match now I'll ask the question here because it needs to be asked where does Braun Strowman go from here I mean, I threw out that Wyatt family because the, the store you can make a story that works they're both coming off losses here there's the there's the untold breakup story. The draft set the draft broke them apart, and all we ever saw was that Survivor Series last year when they were in part of that same match, and they had sort of a stare down moment. And I believe they had the same moment at the Royal Rumble, and it was small and it was minor. You could tell that story if you wanted to. I think you mentioned John Cena, broken man, kind of after losing to Reigns, reevaluating his life at age forty. I think you can do in a similar way, Braun Strowman, the monster among men. Losing to the beast, and he has to evaluate: Am I as badass as I no, thought no. I was? He's not supposed you to have a personality. It. He's not supposed to have. He can't have those thoughts. He's a psychotic ogre. You saw his face at the end of that match, though. He was sitting there in disbelief of what just happened. I'm not saying you take away him being an ogre and a monster. I'm not saying you job him out to guys that are smaller than him. I'm just saying you can tell a story for a couple of weeks where he does some soul searching, comes back, wins a match, and gets right back in the groove. But there's just there's super heavyweights on the Raw roster, and there's four of them. Uh, three of them fought tonight, and you have one more in Samoa Joe who's off. Samoa Joe can only work with one of those guys when he comes back. And the four can only work together so much. Reigns obviously can go off and fight smaller dudes. Lesnar can too. 
uh, and so can Samoa Joe. But Braun Strowman, I mean, you need a super heavyweight fight with Braun Strowman because it sells. And Brian, you know from boxing and from UFC, the money's in the heavyweights, and he is that heavyweight that WWE can build around. They just didn't do it tonight. I, I don't mean this question to be hyperbolic. I mean it in 100% sincerity and seriousness. Did they blow it tonight with Braun Strowman? Like this Braun Strowman, the white hot electric Braun Strowman, did they blow it? Like is the toothpaste out of the tube or can they get it back in? All right. So the answer is yes, but the answer is also emotional at 1230 a.m. after after a finish that I didn't like. I'm going to be really honest with you. I was more upset when Braun lost cleanly to Roman at the Royal Rumble in January because that was the beginning of this red hot build. It certainly hadn't reached the red, red, right, bright embers hot that we are now this summer. But at that point, I'm like, you have one chance to build somebody as unbeatable. Why cash that in early to Roman? When you didn't have to. You, Roman didn't have to beat him clean. Like, you, I get Roman's your top superstar. I get that. You didn't need to do that then. I was just as mad then. But look, they rebuilt that. They regrouped it. Braun still had huge moments against Reigns. I'm sure if they want to start tomorrow and put him right back in a giant feud. Or, by the wasn't way, a title match, though. Continue. That wasn't a title match, though, you know? Was it? No, that wasn't. The, the Reigns match wasn't a title match, was it? At the no, Royal it was Rumble? not. The, the title no. at that point was was uh, was in Styles' hands, and he lost it to Cena that night. So but exactly, yeah. So I'm saying, so I don't know if it's as, as comparable. Here's the problem: we just saw Brock and Braun Strowman in the Fatal Four Way at SummerSlam put on a match that had your guys' eyes bugging out, that had you guys flipping out. And yeah, there were two other guys in it, but those two going at each other. Doing you know the huge spots outside of the ring, the hardcore stuff, using tables and the the ringside barrier and whatever else they did, and we saw holy crap, these guys can work together and be monsters and put on something that will have the entire crowd standing the entire match and never sitting down. And they paid it off with a single F5 tonight. They didn't have a monster brawl. They fought inside the ring for 20 minutes and told a story that Braun Strowman can dominate Lesnar all match, but one F5 ends it. Nine minutes. If Nine minutes. And, 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 and you know what the match should have been? It should have been the Samoa Joe match. That's what they should have done. Exactly. Because the crowd was out of this match less than halfway in. How about this? And you know what, Silver King? You make an awesome point, right? Because when we were at SummerSlam, the crowd was so, so electric for those two performers. And compare and contrast that with tonight. When in the, the waning moments of this match, the crowd is chanting, we want tables. Not this is awesome or anything like that. They're saying they want something to make the match better. If you were going to tell the story of Braun dominating, but Brock sort of getting like a semi-fluky-ish victory, do the Samoa Joe match again. Like this was, not only was it counterproductive, it's a great point. The match kind of sucked. Like the match itself wasn't very good. And that's why my initial prediction for it was a draw that they beat themselves up so bad, either get a double DQ or a double count up because you have TLC next month where you can do the hardcore outside the ring match that you want between these two guys. And you can put Lesnar over when he uses six tables or 17 chairs and hits the F5. You can do that and then still get Lesnar over clean on, uh, on Strowman. But you didn't have to do it tonight inside the ring with a single F5. And for all we know, we may get there. Like I said, this could just be chapter one in the end. It's just not the chapter one that's, that, that, you can, that, that, that tells the final story, that teases the final story You know, in the first page. It was a bad first page. That's all we got to say. We got to move on. Well, well, real quick, because we don't normally do this, but I feel like this does merit it because these were two huge matches that we spent a lot of time talking about. 
We normally don't do the whole five-star thing, but I'm going to make you guys do the whole five-star thing. Right. First for the Roman Reigns-John Cena match. Don't put a ton of thought into it. The first thing that comes into your mind, your initial rating, Roman Reigns-John Cena. Bri, go ahead. Uh, three stars because it was really slow off the start. Let's not forget. And you had that middle stretch where you where you had some big finishers and some near falls and a table spot. That was all great. But when you mix that with, a, with, with to me, as a head-scratching finish and a slow start, it's a three-star match. 2.5 stars, terrible start, not good finish, and a bad story throughout. I will go three and a half stars, but yeah, I'll go three and a half, and I only say three and a half because of what I'm going to give the next match. Bry, the Universal Championship match, Braun and Brock, five stars. Uh, 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 three stars. I mean, it, you know, I can't give it uh, two, Same rating, huh? I can't give it two and three quarters because it, like, it wasn't that. Like, the you know, the in-ring prog, seeing these guys do heavyweight pro wrestling is still pretty awesome, right? But, man, I hated that finish. Three stars. 3.5, it's a super heavyweight fight. We got that. We got six German suplexes. We got a lot of really good action. It was just a pure wrestling match between two guys that shouldn't be having a pure oh, wrestling so match. Silver King, you thought that the Braun Brock match was better than Rain Cena. Worse ending, better match, yeah. Wow. I, I got it. So I, I only gave the Rain Cena match three and a half because I wanted to give this match two and a half. I think it was a full star better Rain Cena was than the Brock Braun main event, which again was a major, major, major disappointment. For yours truly. All right, so here's the deal. All, my responsibilities at CBS include covering the National Football League all day on Sundays. So I only saw the end of the card, the cruiserweight match and the two main events. So I will just sort of lead us through these here, and you guys can break them down. Um, you guys go ahead here on the Tag Team Championship match, Ambrose and Rollins, Bry defeating Sheamus and Cesaro to retain. It was the match of the night. And now I'm going to pass it to the Silver King in a second because he loved the rightfully so loved the crap out of this match. The MVP, without a doubt, was Cesaro in defeat. Gets thrown, gets catapulted into the corner, and bangs his face on the post over the top. Turnbuckle loses two teeth, hard weighs his mouth, and it almost as if he stepped up his intensity from there on out. And it had one of those endings in a 15, almost 16-minute match where the last five minutes were a hot fire near fall, one after another. Silver King... This is all you can ask for from a tag team match. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Um, Cesaro wasn't the MVP of the match. He was the MVP of No Mercy because not only did he lose his two front teeth, not only was he bleeding profusely from his mouth, he, like, put his hand to his mouth, saw the blood, and then, like, shrugged and just continued on like it was <laughs> a regular part of his day. And he stayed in the ring for another two minutes before he got the tag with Sheamus to go out of the ring. It was a really, really good match. I got a chance to actually re-watch it before we taped this pod. And I'm going to say this. As good as the match was, it was really the last, you know, 90 seconds to two and a half minutes that was fire. It didn't, for me, live up to some of the Usos New Day matches that we've seen as of late. That's not taking away from it. It's just saying that WWE has been putting together some amazing tag team wrestling with those four teams. And for me, man, it was an A match, easily. And you had the spot of the night. We don't have to break it all down, but that double spot of the night where they ended up throwing yes. Rollins' powerbomb off the top rope onto Ambrose below. That's a holy crap. Let's rewatch that 100 times. Uh, I really wish I had seen this match after hearing you guys break it down. I'll have to watch it before this week's In This Corner with Brian Campbell, the regular edition, which will drop on Wednesday. Next up, it's the Women's Championship match, and it was Alexa Bliss retaining over Emma, Nia Jax, Sasha Banks, and the woman that she pinned, Bailey. Spot fest 
overachievement. I mean, a couple of things you can say about this in SpotFest in a great way. This match was not long at all. Nine minutes, 40 seconds. It had one of those abrupt finishes that kind of was the theme of the night. But I love this match because I thought it was the best thing to do to keep the belt on Bliss while you tease that everybody else is going to go over, even Bailey coming back for this match. Nia Jax in the end was the star of this match. Took a horrific bump back of her head on the floor on that pow double power bomb as a double drop kick from behind sort of catapulted her down. They teased that she was going to go over. I predicted that Bliss would walk out with the belt. I still think it's the right choice, Silver King, because this sets the table for a Bliss-Jax feud that I don't think would have had the same fire if you continued this trend of just giving away this red women's belt every two weeks. That might be true, and you know that we all basically agree, and I've said it plenty, that I hate how often the women's belts change hands. It doesn't make any sense, especially when you give it to Banks and then immediately take it from her and put it back on Bliss for really no good reason. But tonight... I said Cesaro was the MVP of the show. Well, coming in right behind him was Nia Jax. She had red hot face heat from her hometown crowd. She was incredible in the ring. It was her best match in WWE to this point. She took amazing spots. Like you said, the double powerbomb outside the ring. Really, really tough. She did a double Samoan drop in the ring. She did a sick leg drop. I think it was on Alexa Bliss. She should have gone over with the title tonight. They had an opportunity to make a new star and they totally missed it. they will though she's not like most girls she'll get there she's best friends with bliss in real life you're gonna see a program and it's gonna end with nia on top right nick you like nia on top let's be really honest uh, i mean to be honest i prefer alexa but i mean that's really we're just splitting hairs here um bry i want to something silver king said because i didn't see the match for anyone that maybe didn't watch it or fast forwarded through it do you agree with silver king's assessment this was nia Jang nia Jax's best match ever uh, you know, best match ever, you, you can you can debate. She's had some coming out parties, specifically Royal Rumble guys against Sasha Banks, where she was, first time she was really booked strong, I thought she really went to a whole new level. But Jax was a part of some big spots here. And Silver King's point off the top, the, the, the face reception she got, she, had, she was the most cheered girl by far in the introductions. The pop was, it stood out like a giant sore thumb. She's so over right now that you can use her now as the baby face against the heel bliss and stretch the story out. Yes, she stood out strong as the number one woman in this division right now. And that's saying a lot. Bliss and Banks are huge right now. Jack's starting to point upward. By the way, Nick, uh, Alexa Bliss, full pigtails tonight. Pigtails are wow. Okay, I'll, yes. I will definitely have to rewatch that. Was an excellent point by the Silver King. Now, just following this on Twitter, guys, um, it seemed like from what I read, Miz got a huge babyface reaction tonight. Break this down for me: Intercontinental Title match, Miz defeats Jason Jordan to retain. You know, they told this good story here. The story is though that you know Jordan dominated almost this entire match, you know, and it was setting him up. Where it's like where he looks like he's going over. There's double Northern Lights suplexes. I mean, he was constant near fall after near fall. Maurice not ringside because she's pregnant now. Backstage, it appears to be that's the move going forward. But you know, it was numbers game. It was the Miz Taraji coming through, stealing the show on on, on interference from Curtis. Axel outside, but it was the promo. This is where it's interesting. This is where you're talking about Miz getting babyface love. He's getting babyface love in this spot, I thought, offsetting the fact that the crowd hates Jason Jordan because Jason Jordan did a, a post-match interview in the ring and was like, you know, almost kind of like whining about losing, wants a rematch, says, Miz, no, you, you talk about my father's You Suck song. You know what, Miz, you actually suck. He got almost booed out the building. But I think that's great because that's going to set up when he turns heel perfectly. There's a lot more stories that this feud will tell. I thought chapter one was really good, though. 
You're 100 percent right, and it, that heel turn for Jason Jordan when it happens is going to be great. He's just plain toast on the mic, and right now there's not much you can do about it until you have someone help him and teach him. And Kurt Angle, I know it's a storyline with him being his dad, but you would hope they're spending a little bit more time together backstage. He's the perfect person to teach him and help his career and tell him how to get over on the mic. And if he has started trying to do that, it's just not working. But it was a really good match. And by the way, The Miz often gets face heat. The only time he doesn't is if he's in the ring with another super hot face. Like, it takes Finn Balor being in the ring with him for Miz to get booed. Otherwise, basically against anyone else he's talking with, especially when he starts, you know, jabbing with some of those quick uh, quick words that he has, he usually gets cheered. Uh, Nick, real quick, true or false here? This... I disagree with that, by the way. I don't think Miz gets cheered all the time. I think Miz gets booed more. I mean, it's a good type of booing, but, I mean, the Miz does not get face uh, He gets, at WrestleMania against Cena, he got a lot of face a love there. Crowd. He gets face heat with, face heat with the smart Fine. crowd. He doesn't get face heat from the majority of the people that watch. I'll adjust that statement. And you're right. Smart crowds, big cities that have a lot of WWE fans. He gets face heat. And Otherwise, it, it's a mixed bag. And it's also mi- milk toast, not plain toast. Go ahead. All right, Mike. Nick, true or false here? This Angle Jordan story to be properly told needs a kayfabe mother. Angle's former lover, the mother of Jordan, to be inserted here. Like Angle once kayfabe inserted himself in Pittsburgh back at Clarion University. True or false? Okay, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I do. I mean, I was kind of wondering where that was going, and it pretty much ended at the best possible place. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Uh, so no title change in the Intercontinental match, but a title change in the Cruiserweight Whoa, true or false? What's your answer, guy? True or false? It needs a woman. Yes or no? I, oh, I thought that was more of just like a joke. You were actually asking me the question. It's really late. I've been up all day. I apologize. Um, No, I don't think it needs a woman. No. No, it doesn't. But if it is someone, it should be Charmel. Then, but then, like, Booker T has to be involved, right? And maybe, sure. Look, and look, man, look, maybe that's hilarious if that happens. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not eat a woman. I don't think that's going to happen. But it is pretty funny food for thought. And if it were Charmel, that would probably be pretty hilarious. Um, Brian, did you think it was hilarious when uh, – Goofy all Enzo Amore defeated Neville to win the Cruiserweight title. Look, the ending, I, I, I'm not, okay. First of all, he came out dressed like Beetlejuice in this absurd pinstripe suit. It was just. Right, you nailed, can I credit you first and foremost? You nailed how this match was going to go when we previewed it earlier this week. And I didn't even think about it when you first said it. You pretty much laid out exactly how it was going to go. Like, you basically booked the match. I, I did a lot of this card, not to bury Horowitz myself again. But I will say this. Look, it shows their commitment to bringing ratings to 205 Live and the Cruiserweight division to bring an identity that they don't think could get there with guys like Neville and Cedric Alexander on their own. And in reality, in the business sense, they're probably right. Obviously, they've had errors in the way they've presented the Cruiserweight division. So I'm not surprised that they went this way. Silver King, I just had a lot of issues with the ending of this match. Enzo goes outside of the ring. The referee counts to about seven or eight. It looks like it could be a count out. Enzo picks up the title belt and starts, he starts like, he's doing like a a queer street drunk walk thing. Like he's half knocked out and he's holding up the title belt. And then that, that causes referee to stop the count and then turn and start pushing Neville. Like it makes no sense. Then he, he, he somehow leads Neville to chase him. And then, uh, you know, Enzo gets in the ring, hits a low blow when the ref is not looking. I don't know where the ref was looking. Just, just kind of like cheesy and schmozzy in the way it ended even though they got to the point of the story that they wanted which is Enzo's going to cheat to win every time out because he's I guess smarter than all these small wrestlers I don't I mean look maybe it's convoluted in the end fill me in here 
it, it just took too long to develop. He didn't need to be sitting outside the ring with the title for 30 seconds. He just needs it for five. And then you run into the ring. You know, you do like Eddie Guerrero. You slide it or you throw it at the other guy. He catches it. Oh, my. You know, there's plenty of ways that you can can do that finish that makes sense and work. It was fine. I mean, I don't like the finish. I don't like what they're doing. Um, you can He's putting the show in division over without being the champion. And you need a lot more than Enzo Amore for 205 Live to actually work. My only hope, my prayer is that Neville gets the hell out of there and finds his way to the re- real main roster, and maybe this is how they do it. But, man, I if mean... If that's the I release, just... if that's your result, by the way, and Enzo's essentially a transitional champion to, like, put Cedric Alexander over, then that's actually not that's actually kind of brilliant, right? If it's not, and they're just putting Enzo on top to talk, then you have just buried Neville and every other cruiserweight in the division. So we'll see where it goes. And probably 205 Live, for that matter, right, Bri? Absolutely, but I mean, maybe this is their way of saying maybe no one's watching. Or depending on your viewpoint of it, I guess, right? Like, depending on how they view it. Do they view it as a good wrestling show, or do they view it as, hey, we need to put more eyeballs on it? I just will tell you this. I've been in the crowd at SmackDown, two SmackDowns in the past year. When the SmackDown ends and the 205 Live starts, the arena empties out big time, and there's no juice. They do a great job on the network of the announcers being so good, like Corey Graves used to be on that show, where it's just like you're fired up and you feel like it's an important match. In the arena, it's dead quiet and no one's watching. So maybe, you know, maybe this is the the, the fix around that. Um, I'm happy I didn't see this match. Tell me if I should or should not be. (laughs) Finn Balor defeating Bray Wyatt in the rematch that never should have happened or never should have been. after what we saw at SummerSlam. All right, you know me. I had high expectations for this match. I've had, I've been in on the storyline here the whole way, really in, even though it's kind of the, 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 basically the script of Teen Wolf all over again. They set you up to believe that because Finn Balor was fighting as the man and not as the demon, that this was going to be, you know, chapter two or chapter three or whatever, and we were going we had much more business to go because Balor got attacked before the match started. He's selling his ribs throughout. Wyatt's dominating. Wyatt was doing these incredible throw suplexes where he gets Balor up in a suplex and just throws him halfway across the ring. And then again, abruptly, again, anticlimactically, Balor just wins the match. So that leads you to believe that this is the end of the feud. That leads you to believe that Bray Wyatt's job is only what it is to job to the main eventers and get people ready for that highest level. And in the end, the match was good, Silver King. I like the action in it, but the story is just sort of like you got me excited and then you just ended it. So it's it's part of kind of par for the course in the whole card in that sense. The match itself and the story it told was very good. Would have been great if the end of the match was Wyatt going over, which is the story that it was telling. It doesn't make instead, sense. Instead, Balor goes over. And what it said to me, what it told me, is that WWE, and this is, you know, this scares me. I don't like this. I don't like that I'm saying this. It says to me that WWE might be burying the demon and that it only gave us the demon at SummerSlam to placate fans and ensure that it didn't need to be used as often as, me, as we might want it to be used by proving that immediately in his first opportunity as non-demon Balor, that he can win without using it. That's and, what concerns me. The story you that you why? tell with the demon what is... What are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking about? No, he's onto something here. And you no, know I, don't this... he, I don't think he had a finish, but I mean, I don't, you I don't think You know what this supports? Oh, no. I, no, the story that they should have told is that he wins with the demon, he loses as the man, 
and then he can win as the man again, and he doesn't actually need the demon. Now it's saying, oh, the demon thing? That's not a, a big part of my character. I can yeah. win just as easily without it as I can with it. What you want the demon to be is something he has to break out in special moments and big occasions. And right now they're basically just saying, oh, he's the same guy with it and without it. So I can't argue against that because I like him as Fonzie better than the demon. I think he's too good to need the demon. But it supports, again, my overall theory, guys. Demons, not baby faces. I'm sorry. That's the bottom line, you know? <laughs> the demon will be back. The demon is not gone. I mean, but like in... How, why would anyone think that like he was going to be the demon like on a semi-regular basis? No, no, no. He's not why, supposed. Why would that have been the thought? No, no. It, it's not the thought. But it was just. It's. It was. It seemed to me like WWE said we're giving you guys the demon at SummerSlam because you all really want it and we haven't done it since he's been back. And now he's won without it. So. But that's yeah. right. That, that is what they did. But, but who yeah. cares? But you would think that they'd stretch that out. If you're going to do this program with Wyatt, you're going to have Wyatt get over the man, and then you're going to have them do a third match where Finn finally gets over as the man against the other man, Bray Wyatt. But, like, I don't know. It just seemed to me that it was rushed. It seemed to me that it was they did a program in two pay-per-views that they wanted originally for three. How do you justify Wyatt? And I know I'm a bigger fan of Wyatt than you and a, and a lot of people, but... It's not do you, that I don't like him. It's that I hate the way they use him. Exactly. Well, how do you justify that as a company, that this is his job? You know what he is right now? Which might not be a bad thing. He's 1980s Jake the Snake Roberts. He's the guy that you go through before you go into the main event level. And maybe that's fine, but it's not fine for me when I feel like storyline-wise, they could be doing a lot more with him. Here's why. When Bray Wyatt was WWE champion before WrestleMania, he was over, and we liked it, and he really worked as a champion and a main eventer. And now they're just, they said, well... Nah, that doesn't work for us. I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. And I just thought of this now. And this could be me being awake for like 18 hours straight. Maybe not. <laughs> um, I think that they might tomorrow night put Braun Strowman back with Bray Wyatt. How about that, Brian Campbell? I, I sort of crapped on that idea that you had a little earlier. What if Finn Balor's out there in the ring and Braun Strowman comes out there to attack him? And then they do a Balor-Strowman program? which ends with Balor winning, and then Balor loses to Brock Lesnar in order to keep All Brock right, Lesnar strong for the WrestleMania this 34. This is genius because Balor Strowman is going to look so good in the ring, right? It's going to be such a David Goliath with Balor, you know, bouncing off of him. That's going to be great. And that's probably I'm the best. genius? The, well, well, what's the best utilization <laughs> of Bray? Running an evil stable. Why do you constantly pull his henchmen away from him and then let him job out? It's like, yes, you're right, Nick. Let's get people back on track and use their strengths, 100%. I think that that's what we might see tomorrow night. Um, I'm actually really excited to watch Raw. Um, so I guess WWE kind of kind of did their job. So we're about 50 minutes here or so, about 15, 20 minutes longer than we wanted to go. But look, here's the scene of Reigns and braun brock match sort of merited us going that far and uh i'm sure that you agree dear listener if you are listening to this instant analysis podcast let's close guys with our um want to do five star ratings one to ten ratings grade for the pay-per-view silver king likes doing the grades right for the pay-per-view uh silver king you get first crack i'll go second the brian campbell goes third because his name is on the marquee your grade for no mercy i don't think i can give it better than a c plus because the two main events, the two matches that we came here to see were so disappointing. The card itself as a whole, there were bright spots. We talked about it. The tag team match, the women's match. Finn Bray was a good match with a crap ending. But I, I can't give a show a B or anywhere in a B grade if I have those two main events disappoint me that much. Now, again, I only watched the uh, the two big matches and a little bit of the cruiserweight match while I was watching Redskins Raiders. I'm going to give it a B-minus. 
A B minus only because there was gravitas behind the Rain Cena match. I liked it better than both of you guys did, but the Braun Brock match, like really, like it can be no. It might actually be a C plus because that match I thought was so bad and booked so poorly. I wish there was somewhere between a B minus and a C plus. I'm gonna go B minus, but it's you have to understand, and you did because you listened to the 50 minutes of me crying on this podcast. <laughs> you have to understand my disappointment. It. It's a B minus because it was booked to be an A or an A plus, right? On paper, how could it not? The first half it reminded me of WrestleMania. The first half was great, and it set the foundation where I didn't even tweet it because I didn't want to jinx the no hitter. But I'm like, we are on our way to something special here. In the end, like I mentioned off the top, it was exposed to be what it was, right? We love when underdogs in the NCAA tournament go to the finals four, but sometimes in the final four they get exposed for who they are as mid-majors. This was a mid-major pay-per-view with a lot of stars on it, and it was a B-. minus. And I think that should about wrap it up here at 1.13 a.m. on the East Coast. So for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am Handsome Nick Costos. You've been listening to the Instant Analysis No Mercy recap pod in this corner with the Brian Campbell. Be sure to check us out later this week on Wednesday for the regular edition. Until then, Brian Campbell, two words to get out. We out. By the way, I said two words to get out, um, and then you said we out. That was poorly done. Just say, me. just start. Uh, by the way, you know, Brian. You know what? Do it. Do it. We're gonna play all of this here. I want to give the listeners a little bit of an indication as to what actually happens when handsome Nick Costos screws up at the end. So we're just gonna redo the end right now, very quickly. For the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. I am handsome Nick Costos. Brian Campbell. Two words to end the podcast. You don't like what I'm saying? Well, you can suck my. We out. Ha, ha, ha.